Gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Luncheon with Lisa show. I'm excited about tonight. Uh, we have actually a returning guest. Um, so we have been really excited to, to have him join us because. The last time he was here, we talked about a book that was coming, and tonight we'll be talking about the book that has arrived. Um, so I can't wait to get into it. Before we get started, I wanted to actually share some information about what's been going on with me. Um, hopefully, the last few weeks, you all were able to attend the events that um, I had going on. There was an event um, where I was given an award, um, and I'm excited about that i will always be honored for that experience if you missed it you missed a wonderful um opportunity to really have some people pour into you it was the seventh annual deborah c offer bulging women of virtue walking in excellence virtual celebration um and it was all weekend the 21st through the 23rd luncheon with lisa had the amazing opportunity to um host the book launch um, for their book. So that was exciting to kind of kick things off. And then we had um, a summit on Saturday and Sunday was the awards program um, where I also had the opportunity to be awarded. Um, so it was a wonderful opportunity. So um, please continue to follow Tashika, Dr. Tashika Green. She's doing amazing things in education and motivational speaking and just pouring back into her community. So please stay connected for that. So that's another thing that was going on. I also have been showing you all about uh, a movie that I was casting called Old School Rollers. Um, and I'm hoping that a lot of you have gotten an opportunity for the several viewings that have been going on. So before we get into introducing you to our uh, returning guests, I wanted to um, just run a little tr uh, trailer or video about what's coming up because there's a brand new screening coming up November 7th um, at the Magic Johnson Theater. Um, and the exciting news about that is you all know that I have Dove Style Magazine. So Dove Style Magazine is excited to actually be covering that event. Not only that, I'm in the movie. So that's exciting, too. Um, so it's exciting. I want you all to go out there and get tickets. You can get the tickets on Eventbrite. I think this will be the last screening of this year with this um, movie. So please take this opportunity to join us and support. Um, so. Before we get into the guests, let's go ahead and check it out, and then we will be right back. Hey, guess what? I got my ticket. Me too. Me too. Me too. What the heck? Me too. To the hottest film of 2021. It's called Old School Rollers. Ooh, I'm fired up. So where is this happening at? It's happening November 7th at 4 p.m. at the AMC Magic Johnson Theater. Man, count me in. Tickets are only on sale at eventbrite.com. You do not want to miss this event. Peace. Sponsored by. Right here on 96.3. WHUR. Oh. 
get your tickets today while they last only at eventbrite.com that's eventbrite.com yay so i'm excited about that i hope you all get your tickets so without further ado we're going to bring on our guest. I'm not even going to read. We read the bio last time. Y'all, y'all supposed to know who he is. As a matter of fact, as we get to talking, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. But I'm excited because I want to keep the ball rolling from when we talked last time. Um, so I don't want to go backwards. I'm trying to go forward. He has a book out. Okay. So before we get started with the book, I wanted you to actually share with us Tyrone Dubois. Um, we had you on the show. Oh, it was it last year? I think it was. Yeah, last it was year. sometime last year. It was last yeah. year. And we had a ball. Um, and you shared some nuggets with us about R&B history, and and we were just our mouths were open, like what? We didn't know that. So we wanted more of that. Um, <laughs> so we we're like, we gotta have them back. Plus, you've been busy, so we want to share what's been going on with you because you have been busy. Yeah. Um, first of all, let me begin by thanking you and Shariva as well for inviting me back. I absolutely love doing this show. It's so cool. And, you know, we have a kinship. Of course, we did a book together. But the fact that we have uh, have developed a great kinship, not only just in social media, but just as friends. And it it means an awful lot. And I thank you so much for uh, inviting me here. It means uh, it means a lot. Absolutely. We are honored and look forward to it every time. Hopefully this will never be the last time. So. Never. Share with us a little bit before we get into the book about how you even got started in your love for music, because obviously there was one there. Uh, as a, a young teenager in Cincinnati, Ohio, I would listen to Casey Kasem's uh, American Top 40. And um, I loved the way in which he told stories. He would he would talk and then he'd talk a little bit about the artist and he'd give a little history. And for some reason, his calm demeanor and the way in which he told stories was something that always inspired me it always made me you know what i will be this guy and then um as time went on you know i moved out here to los angeles and one day i actually had a chance to meet him and we talked for a long time and he he taught me the way in which to uh to had to make a decision about whether to do the pop charts or the r&b charts and i decided to make it the r&b charts and uh that's what what helped me get to where i am today how cool is that um, to want to see somebody that you were like, oh, I admire what you do and then get the opportunity to meet that person and then end up doing what you set out to want to do? Like, yeah, I mean, this guy was like happen? my idol. Yeah, it, it was like he was my idol. I mean, I mean, this Casey Kasem, you know, did many voices including the voice of Scooby-Doo and Casper and so many of the other voices that, you know, you hear in cartoons. And uh, it was amazing that, you know, I saw this one opportunity to meet him. And I remember saying to him, you know, Mr. Kasem. And he said, call me Casey. And I went, I'm not calling you Casey. No way. But he laughed and we, we, we had been, you know, became friends and he talked to me a lot. And it's uh, one of the main reasons uh, that I'm living my dream today. I love it. I mean, that's a powerful story. And it just lets you know that, you know, something that seems like just an idea can turn into reality just like that. And you have the voice for it. So I mean, I remember at the last show, you were telling us a little bit about the voice. 
um, because it is, and I remember his voice and thinking it was kind of a great storytelling voice. Um, and yours is as well, very calm, relaxing. Um, but, and we know your voice now. So I know it when I hear it, I don't have to be looking at the TV to know who's talking. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's what's interesting. My mother used to say, young man, that voice is going to make you a lot of money or get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I have no comment on either. <laughs> I think she told you right. So, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, where the love of music, you said you liked how he's told stories, but why was R&B your choice? Well, believe it or not, in the beginning, it was actually the pop charts because that's what Casey Kasem used to do each week on American Top 40. Right. Um, but at some point, I began to realize that I needed to make a decision about whether I wanted to do the, you know, the R&B charts or the pop charts. Um, I knew the pop charts really well, but I thought that it would be an added niche if I learned and knew the R&B charts. Not that I didn't listen to R&B music, but Casey Kasem did the pop charts. And it was it was a great move because then it allowed me to see the, you know, the legacy of R&B music. Well, you know, I was thinking when I was when you were talking, I said, well, you know, some people might have made the mistake. I'll say this to help them out. Might have made the mistake of missing the show the first time you were on. So let me help them out. I'm going to go ahead and give them a pass and let them know who they're talking to. So the next time you come on, there are no excuses. So if you all don't know who's joined Luncheon with Lisa, and we are so honored to have him back because he is a busy man. Um, so we we love having you on. The last time we had so much fun that Shaviva and I, before you came on, we were just like, okay, this is not even going to feel like work or anything because we just had a good time. So for those who don't know, as America's premier R&B historian, Tyrone Dubois, am I saying your name correctly? You are indeed. I love to say the last name. I know you can tell a lot, but it's like Dubois. Okay, I know, it's okay. <laughs> He's an award-winning radio host, music commentator, and pop culture expert, as you've been hearing us talk about. A documentarian of black culture, he is well-known for his R&Bs past and present. Um, and this is a little background because we're going to talk about this book, which it tells a little bit about the author um, that we're going to speak about because I want to know what's going on in this book. So I wanted to share with you that you may be familiar with his voice. He has a show called Timeless Tracks. Um, so you may be familiar with his voice there. He also dispenses daily doses of R&B tidbits um, of knowledge on Cheryl Underwood's radio show, um, helmed by the Emmy winning talk show host, I think of CB's The Talk. That's where Cheryl Underwood is. Um, you all, if you all missed the first show, you missed a whole lot. We can't go backwards. Um, he shared a whole lot of wonderful information about R&B music and history. Um, I know I talked with my mom after the show and I was like, mom, I didn't know that. I thought I knew some stuff, but you really schooled me. So that's a little bit about who we talking about. If you all have heard of Unsung, you have heard him, you have seen him. Um, he has shared some nuggets on any artist. I, I couldn't, I can't even name all of them. Um, but I know that you have some information in this book. So let's go a little further deep into how you got to Unsung and then how this book came about. 
Well, from the unsung standpoint, there was a gentleman named Michael Jockwe who wanted me to do a uh, Sly and the Family Stone. He wanted me to do the red carpet as a host there, but um, I had just had surgery and I had had cancer. And I said, well, let me see if I can I can make it. I think you want me to do the Ray Parker one first, but when Sly and the Family came up, I told him yes. I sat next to this gentleman who was asking me questions about R&B history, didn't know who I was sitting next to. And he was asking me, uh, we were talking about Sly and the Family Stone. He asked me whether, you know, he just was wondering whether they had any platinum singles. And I said, no, but they had a number 24th and 25th biggest song in the 70s. And I'm telling him that. And he goes, well, what about the Supremes? And then he said the Temptations. And finally, I, I said, look, sir, the first um, platinum single in history was Johnny Taylor, Disco Lady, 1975. And then he, he was looking up. He said, well, who was number? And I went, kiss and say goodbye, the man had. And then he said, how do you know all this stuff? And then so I told him I did this show. And um, I, I gave him a card, called me, and told me to come to this place. I had no idea who he was. And I was speaking to the executive producer of Unsung. And that's how I got on wow. the Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that, yeah. Well, so you never actually, know who you're talking like to, that, right? That's right. But I was going to say that just like that had to do with all that information you knew. <laughs> yeah. Just no, like exactly. that. Just all those questions. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that was uh, it was great for me because it gave me the opportunity to do what I love best, you know, talk about R&B history. And I wanted to distinguish myself. Many people who said they were music historians and I didn't want to say I was a music historian. I wanted to say I was an R&B historian, a person who specializes in R&B, which I, you know, distinctly does something different. Doesn't mean I don't know the rest of it. It just simply means I I focused on R&B music. For R their music is R&B music. That's important. Yes. Yes, and I I look, I'm amazed the things that you share with me. Even just now you dropped some nuggets and you kind of went we went past it real quick, but I didn't know that um Casey was the voice of you said Scooby Doo? Yes, he was the original voice of Scooby Doo. Shaggy and Scooby as a matter of fact. Um and he told me the story. And it was it was a very interesting story. And it was the fact that he was um, going to do this show and he, he had an actually another name for it. And by the time he got home, he heard the Frank Sinatra song Strangers in the Night on the plane from Los Angeles to Detroit. And at the end of the song, it was Scooby Dooby Doo. And he said, I'm going to name the show after that. And he was the original voice. Oh my good, because I'm a Scooby Doo Shaggy fan. I love Scooby Doo. Um, <laughs> if you <my> <laughs> you if you hear if you listen to the original Scooby Doo's, just listen to Shaggy's voice. It's Scooby Doo. I have to do that. Shaggy, Shaggy, that. Shaggy is actually Casey Kasem. Yeah, you can hear it I if you think about Casey Kasem. That. Yeah, that's his voice. I love it. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if y'all are missing, y'all are missing some true nuggets. And I know y'all, I know more than me watch Scooby Doo. So don't even act like y'all stop lunching. Y'all watch Scooby Doo. <laughs> so tell us a little bit because you have been busy. We mentioned that, but you've been busy with finally this book is out. Not only do I want you to tell us a little bit about this book, we're going to get into the book, but we also want to talk about some of the awards. Lately, I've been seeing. I don't know when you sleep because you are either being awarded or you're somewhere doing something. So tell us about it. First of all, let's talk about this book. 
Yeah, the book was done during the pandemic. I remember being at a red carpet event where a publicist, I was, I had spoken to her and she said, Tyrone, you're already uh, legitimized by being an R&B historian. She said, but a book would solidify you because people want to know that there's an author that has some sense of, you know, um, authority, you know, authority on the subject in which they speak about all the time. And so every single day, I just wanted to decide what kind of book I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. what I did was I made the book based upon, I called it the four seasons of R&B because mm -hmm. it's based upon the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, which by the way, was the most important part of R&B music. Because in the 50s, it began in the 90s, it sort of ended the way in which we we right. uh, we thought it was right. in the past. So yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting. So I said I was just going to do a book based upon what I believe to be my top ten, and um, it went well. It went so well, in fact, that my book was at number one for about five weeks, which was kind of cool. And yes. I, look, I'm forever grateful, and it it means so much more than you can ever imagine that people would actually, you know, be interested. I had people waiting. Look, when we talked about it the last time you were on the show, you know, we were like, I was like, I can't wait. I'm, just let me know when it comes, and I am on it. Um, so I will share with everybody that. I bought two copies. Now, one of them is mine. No, you cannot have it. Um, we're going to figure out how I get this signed. <laughs> but I do have another one that we are going to give away tonight. So don't leave too early. And for those who miss out, I'm just not sad, too bad. Okay, whatever. But y'all going to get, somebody's going to get a good copy of this. But I'm not giving mine away. So only one for tonight. But we're going to definitely let you know where you can go get your copy. Um, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about these awards that you've been winning. One in particular. Talk to, about, talk to us about it. Yeah. Um, last year, I won the Hollywood African Prestigious Award for Best Voice Actor here in Hollywood, which was great for me. Um, I did a movie that... Um, I had to learn the lines in all of one day by a 14 year old girl who was feeding me the lines um, that uh, was it that particular film was up for nomination for best lead role of uh, for independent film and uh, a few days ago I won making history at the Hollywood African prestigious awards for the first time a voice actor uh, won with uh, a movie the very next year so it um, it was a great, 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 great night. Probably one of the true highlights of my life. Awesome. Awesome. And that's just one of many. One of many, right? Do you have yeah, you know, Noah? Yeah, you know what's interesting is that um, I thought that this, you know, during the pandemic, I really needed to kind of reinvent myself some sort of way. I did not want to be the same person again. And mm -hmm. part of, I mean, this studio that I'm in over here also included, you know, a table and had all the books out. And I just said one, you know, one page a day was what I was going to do in regards to the book. It helped me a great deal. And, um, it, it also helped me keep my sanity, I'm sure, for everybody trying to figure out something to do. I just yeah. said I was just going to reinvent who I was to some degree. And, you know, it included not just the book, but, you know, building a studio here and, um, you know, doing a promo reel and some other things that I thought was, you know, so important for me to be ready once we came out of this pandemic. Absolutely. And if you all are not following him, please do. 
um, but be prepared because um, he doesn't sit still too often. So um, you better catch a glimpse real quick because he is moving <laughs> and grooving over there. But I think this is a gem. I mean, just having a conversation with you about what you know and the history. Um, and I think we talked about this before, but I always had a love of music because my mom, when I was younger, she would um, she loved Motown. So that's just what we clean house to. Um, it's just what was playing all the time. Um, and then when I moved to Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta for a while. I'm in Maryland now, but in Atlanta, I heard all kinds of music. So even now I will sing things and my husband's like, how do you know that song? Like, <laughs> who knows that song? And I was like, I know all kinds of music. I'm just, I moved to a beat. Um, as long as there's a beat, I'll catch on. Now, I love the words too. I do listen to words, but music just makes you feel good. Um, you know, it, it 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 really kind of gives the energy of the room, changes your mood. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot with music. So, yeah, music tells you really the story about your life. If you think about it, it's one of the things you can you can listen to a certain song and it places you in a time in your life and tells you where you were, who you were with, what you were doing. It may tell you about a loved one or somebody you used to love or a sad time, a happy time. But music is your life. And that's one mm -hmm. of the things in which I learned. And what made my book unique is that I gave people four different decades, you know, of music that they, you know, they listen to. So tell us a little, don't, and we can't give them everything because they need to go out and get the book. Um, but what are some things that you can mention in here about what they're going to find in this book? Yeah, what you're probably going to find, Linda, is that many people believe that they're, uh, let me, for example, in the decades of the 80s, they would have expected people such as Whitney Houston, Patti LaBelle, Anita Baker to all be in the top 10 but I can tell you that they didn't even come close of the top 10 of artists in the 80s they didn't even wow. come close and um, but what makes the book unique is that I'm not too far off from what the um, what the official charts are and what made my book unique is that I didn't just use the billboard chart I used you know cash box and record world because all number ones matter you know like for example Purple Rain never made it to number one on the billboard charts but it did in record world so I wasn't going to discount that particular song you know be simply because it didn't make it in billboard you know every number one counts for every artist and i wanted to make sure that i gave them their proper respect well and i guess everybody doesn't even realize sometimes because you you, you feel a song you like it you listen to it all day every day and don't realize it's number one in your head but maybe someone else didn't make it number one but i wouldn't have believed that it didn't make it i didn't even realize that it didn't so because purple rain was yeah you know it yeah, and it's funny you mention that because I heard you say that you lived in one place and then you were in another. The other part of that is that there are different regions where we hear music that they've never heard somewhere else. It's what makes music so unique, you know. Then it was, you know, 8-tracks and records, then cassettes, then CDs, then LimeWire and Spotify. I mean, there's just so many different variables where we've heard music, even now YouTube for a lot of people. Even myself, right. I listen to it on YouTube. Right. Well, and, and when I lived in Atlanta, I was, those were my college years when I went to Spelman, and I would hear something, and it would be in constant rotation, but I might come back for winter break or summer home to DMV, and they were like, 
what is that? You know, one one region was ahead or behind the other. And I'm thinking, y'all are late or why y'all don't know this? So, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's so ironic that you would say that because I would listen in Cincinnati to Casey Kasem. And then every Sunday, you know, every weekend I'd listen to him. In my mind, this song would be gone already. I was like, wow, that song was a long time ago. But on the charts, it was just climbing the charts on the West Coast. But in the Midwest, you know, I was just listening to it. I always wondered. But when I once I moved out here to the Midwest, I I got it. Yeah, yeah. I started understanding. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they were like, how did you know this song was going to be played like it is a region thing. I don't think people realize that. Um, but that's why, like, for instance, in DMV, you have the go-go. And then when they would visit, and it was it was regular to us, but then you go to Atlanta, yes. and they're like, what is that? And it was like, we listen to this all day long. Why you don't know this? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, it's all different. But it's all important. You know, you can set your life to your music. Absolutely. You know, I mean, our lives are all set to music and it's like we know that, you know, no matter where you hear it. Heck, even grocery store music. Sometimes I listen to something and I hear something go. Elevator music. music. Or doctor's and office. Everything. <laughs> so, Very true. So, 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 70s is my favorite decade. Um, I don't know what it was about 70s music, probably because I was born in 68. So I'm thinking I was just a 70s baby. But even when the 80s came about, I still was kind of, uh, I don't know. Y'all did okay. But 70s, I think it was Firecracker and, and all of those kind of songs were just like real music, dance, safe songs it wasn't nothing racy about it or anything i think 80s kind of got into other things and i was like why you ain't got to do all that um so i am a 70s fan what what little nuggets tidbits can you tell us about 70s music look in the 70s it was unique because you know um the 60s if you notice that each chapter was saying something, you know, I was saying evolution, you know, revolution, you know, reinvention, and then it's conclusion. Um, but the 70s were a part of the revolution to some degree. And part of the reason was because we were just moving into a different phase of music, including disco. And the mm -hmm. fact that R&B music was making major moves on the pop charts because you could be a great artist. But if white people weren't buying your music and you weren't crossing over to the pop charts, it just didn't matter. That's true. That's true. It didn't um, matter. I think white, that you know, white. I was just going to say whites and blacks had to buy superstars are made based upon both white and black people buying your music. Bridging you know, uh, yeah. right. Uh, James Brown was doing really well with the white audiences until in the 60s. He made the song I'm Black and I'm Proud. And okay. then it okay. fell off completely, although he was a big star on R&B and he had over 91 chart singles on the Billboard Hot 100, but he never touched the top 10 again until 25 years later with Living in America. And he got a Grammy for that. Wow. Wow. That's very telling. Yeah, um, it was because, you know, people were, you know, he was in a part of a revolution then where people were concerned, you know, right. when they were hearing him say a song like that, white people weren't going to buy I'm black and I'm proud right. in the 60s. Right. That was but not a he made a conscientious decision. <laughs> yeah, to go there. Yeah, he did. 
Absolutely. So because because so I'm thinking about why um because the temptation you know the shows that used to come on like Temptations and was that that was seven was that seventies? It was the sixties primarily. The sixties is when they made their biggest run. But the truth is is that they rolled it right into the seventies. Not as big, but Motown was bigger in the sixties. And you know it was a machine when you had you know Marvin Gaye and you know the Temptations, the Supremes, and you know Smokey Robinson, the Miracles. There was a lot going on in this one place in Detroit that was a machine. Well, and that that was such a part. Those shows were so popular because I think, well, I actually enjoyed them because I think it kind of filled in the gaps because I came in at the end of the 60s. So I was just kind of fascinated with where all of this came from. The whole Motown story is just fascinating to me. Um, and one of the best places I visited was um, Hitsville. Um, I definitely want to go back. It was just kind of um, surreal. Um, I think if people get a chance to just go one time, they will just really kind of embrace the whole, it's just a whole movement um, that I think we should know as far as our history and music and stuff. Um, that's why I love talking about music and talking to you about um, just all that you know, because I'm just amazed and I don't even know what the question is I want to ask as far as like, how do you know all of this stuff? <laughs> Um, my, uh, told me recently, dad, in your head, there's just a bunch of useless information. That's what she used to always say. But, um, when you don't have a lot or when you haven't lived with a lot, um, you cling on to something that makes you somehow or another, you, I, this is a part of me and that matters a lot, you know, I mean, like when we did our book, you know, I had to be very transparent about how I lived. But the only thing I had, you know, to hold on to that could belong to me was music. Mm -hmm. Nobody could take that part away from you. And that's what I did in learning this, you know, this juncture in my life. And then when I heard Casey Kasem, it just took it to another level for me. Yeah, I'm just it just fascinates me because sometimes I think people will listen to you when you share what you know and like, wow, I wish I knew all of that. But when I was listening to you talk, what I thought about was there's probably an area in everyone's life that they know right. like because Yeah, I think a lot Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think so much of that is based upon so many of the of our life experiences, where we were, what we've done, how we've got here, why we're here. And the doing the radio aspect or or learning this was something that I could hold on to because I didn't graduate until maybe, you know, until five years ago, I went back to high school and got my high school. So head, I, had, I can hang on to this music. Yeah, I went back and did four years of high school. Uh, I had dropped out in the ninth grade and um 40 years later i went back and said i'm gonna go back and get my high school diploma i didn't do the um ged because i felt like you know no one in my family did that i said i really i need to go back and that you know awesome. let me learn four years so i went back for four years did the ninth tenth eleventh and twelfth grade i love that that is a whole journey yeah. within itself that's awesome yeah, it was a journey, but it once again strengthened me of, I think once I did that, Lisa, I believed at that point, like, okay, if I can go back and do four years of high school and graduate at 56 years old, it's like, I can do anything. That's what Absolutely. I'm thinking now. Let me finish. Absolutely. Yeah. That is such a, a huge motivator. So 
Let me, um, I don't know if you remember us talking about this the last time you were here, but you mentioned something about, um, I don't know if it was a um, a show or something dealing with HB news or something like that that you were working on or doing. Do you remember us talking about yeah, that? Um, yeah, it was HBCU Go TV. I'm doing a show called Do You Know? And it's based on, it's a YouTube channel as well. And I've now got it on the Win Network as well as the Quelly Television Network. And it's based upon me doing uh, trivia uh, about music from the uh, last four decades. And uh, it's really going kind of cool. I, yeah, and it's really unique. I, I really uh, I really enjoy it. Wonderful. So what other projects do you have going on? And I know it's a long list. Um, well, uh, I'm working on a show right now, a play right now called Black Dads. I'm, uh, I'm doing that along with, um, a couple other people that are in, uh, Sheldon Bailey, who's, uh, in, uh, different television series as well. And it's, uh, based on the four different fathers who are having, are coming to terms with different parts of their lives with their children. So it, it was perfect for me because I, I really felt like it spoke to me to some degree and that worked out, you know, really well. Uh, I'm still working with Cheryl Underwood Radio, and that's going well. And you know, I, I'm I'm blessed to say I, I'm I I just can't I can't even think about or just thank so many people who have given me the opportunity of a lifetime. In all of this, I've learned to just simply stay humble, be kind, and and work hard. And I think that's what's gotten me where I am today. Absolutely, because it's always a pleasure to talk to you and hang out with you and find out what's in your head. Um, the music Nothing. stuff. <laughs> the music stuff we could talk about forever. Um, so you and you said those are some of your projects going on. So tell us a little bit. This is what I wanted to ask you before I ask you a, a, some more tidbits on R and B history. Tell me something that people. And this might be hard. Tell me something that people don't know about you that they would be like, really? Now, you did just share something with me that I don't think you shared before that I think is awesome. But is there something else that people don't know about you that you'd be willing to share that would be like? I, for a long time, I... I really wasn't sure if I was ever going to make something out of my life. For a long time, I really thought I was um, a loser. I did. And I remember being with someone. I never forgot. It was We all have turning points when we meet people and things that are happening. I remember going to this station that was, and I, I had it in the book, you know, Get Out of Your Own Way, where I drove 145 miles every other weekend to be on the radio for the minimum wage and it was because I wanted to do this so bad I was willing to do all it took and I remember coming home telling the person I was married to at that time about that interview and I remember her saying to me you're not going to make it and they're not going to hire you and I never forgot I went to my car and I started crying I was like no I'm going to get that job so that guy hired me and he gave me the minimum wage and I had a regular job I drove 145 miles from my place here in Los Angeles wow. to the halfway place in Barstow, California, every other weekend for six years to be on the air so I could do everything that it took to 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 learn this, you know, this journey. And I never quit, no matter and what. And it paid off tremendously. 
And that just goes yes. to show you that whenever you want something bad enough, you'd be willing to do those things that some people would be like, really? And you're like, really? Yeah, usually when someone tells me or when somebody builds a circle to shut me out, I just usually build a bigger circle to shut them in. And I just I felt like in my funny. life that I'm just not going to be denied. Um, just recently, I had a conversation with someone who said that, you know, Tyrone, you're always busy. And um, and I remember hearing that from some people in the studio. And I told them to make sure that the next time someone tells you that you're busy, that you tell them that they can either build with a person who's busy or they can babysit a broke one. Because <laughs> I'm just not that guy. I'm just not going to do it. I just, at this point in my life, I want to live my dreams. And I don't, and for a long time, you know, we've, you know, we've denied ourselves the opportunity of doing that because we listen to others. And I just learned never to listen to another human being again for everything in which I, I've wanted to do. That's, that's powerful. Um, and actually, that should be motivation for anybody out there who gets discouraged um, and, and thinks that I can't do it. Um, there's no such thing as can't. Um, you either won't or you, if you're trying, then you, you can. I mean, so um, Listen, I appreciate yeah. that. In my business... You know, Lisa, as being a public figure, you know, you you do that. I'm on national television and, you know, as a public figure, you do these movies and and radio and all of this kind of stuff. But the one thing that I can truly tell your audience, I think that I, I really had to learn if you're not ready for people to talk about you, you're not ready for success. And that's the one thing that I think I've learned no matter what's happened. Sometimes you just have to be, you know, not concerned about what everyone else thinks or does, you know. And, and if this means more to you than it means to everybody else, you'll get to where you want to go. And, you know, I spend an hour a day at the very least here in my studio every day. It doesn't always have to be a, um, a major. It just simply needs to be done. And that's, that's what I've true. learned. No matter whether we're doing what I'm doing or what you're doing with this, this is what makes you better. People always somehow or another try to find um, what makes them better. I never tell people what makes me better. I always tell them what makes me different. Different always gets me what I want. Yes, I love it. I love it. Um, so see, this is why you have to keep coming back because you keep dropping, dropping nuggets like this. I mean... This was what I do this for. So, because I love, you know, just sharing people shine, what they're doing. Um, and and you spend so much time talking about all the wonderful things that other people are doing and music and whatever. It's like, uh, it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, I've learned now to be a, um, a giver. Yes. I'm big on that. I, I, um, I just feel like some at some point in our lives, we just try to find our our niche, something in which we're able to do to help other people. You know, um, winning the the award last a couple of nights ago was was pretty awesome. But I really believe that my life goal is to give help other people make their dreams come true, because that's what I wished for me. I'm so glad you said that, because that's actually the motivation for probably everything I do, whether it's the magazine or the show or the publishing company. And, and sometimes people are like, how do you do it? You have all these moving parts going on, but everything that I'm doing, I'm doing because I just, I love to do it and I love to see people win. And if I can be that step in their step towards their success or whatever, then I'm, I'm successful because that's my motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes reaching rock bottom 
will teach you things that the top can never teach you. That's and true. I think that's what's gotten me here. So it's the reason why I really believe you were supposed to give. And that's why I do that. I love it. So before, because we're going to come back and, and switch gears a little bit and have some fun on lunch with Lisa. We're going to lunch a little bit because I think I have a surprise lunch. for you. Yes. <laughs> and I think I have a surprise for you. You're going to be shocked with um, how we're going to what we gonna lunch about um but before we go so share with me and maybe i don't know if i should share with me one of your favorite artists that you talked about whether it was on unsung or somewhere else where you've talked about historian what was one of your favorite artists on unsung it was a real snail's whisker between high five and martha wash okay and i, I loved i loved them all but I think I, I, it became personal for me with both of those people because Martha Wash had three number one songs and didn't get credit for any of them. And um, High Five's story of success and the failures in which they had and they became some of my dearest friends. I love them dearly. They're, yeah. um, but I, the one thing that I've always tried to do on Unsung is to never know worst part people's story you know i want to try to get get them at their best it doesn't mean that i can't there's some things i can't ignore there was a particular artist who insisted that they wanted me to do it because they know that normally i don't you know talk bad about the artist but there was a particular issue with this artist that i i told them you can tell me how to spin it but i'm gonna have to tell the truth because it's right. uncomfortable Right. But right. everybody knows the story, so it's not like you're gonna get out of it, you know. It's well. right, right. I love it. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to a commercial break, and then we're gonna come and talk about how we're gonna lunch a little bit tonight. So we will be right back. So if you all don't know, y'all DSM Media, Shariva, and um, Shariva's behind the scenes, but she's part of Lunch with Lisa, and you all know we started something called DSM Media, where we actually um, kind of um, do the background production of shows such as Lunch with Lisa. Um, we actually have um, a lineup of shows now. So we have Wednesdays, it's Upfront Mind, Body, Soul with host Michelle Bolden-Hammond. We have Lunch with Lisa on Thursdays, and on Fridays, we have The Stars with Tamika joy um, and all of them come on at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and I'm excited to say that we actually have another show that's coming on board on Sundays um, and there's wonderful things going on with DSM Media. We do videos, commercials, flyers, um, we just, you know, taking our piece of the pie and helping other people to do their thing and, of course, shine. Um, so please keep tuning in um, to watch all the shows. We have a page on Facebook called DSM Media. So check us out, see our work, and hit us up. Maybe we can help with something. Um, so now we're at the luncheon with Lisa. A shout out to Reva the Diva. Yes, shout out to Reva the Diva. You saw that? <laughs> So now we're going to lunch a little bit. So for you all that know, have been tuning in, we have this segment that we call Lunch with Lisa, where we've encouraged you to email us subjects on anything that you feel people are lunching about. It could be anything. It could be about relationships. It could be about the pandemic. It could be about anything. And I have a lunchbox because we are lunching with Lisa. No, there's no lunch inside, but... 
There are topics in here that we drop in as you all send us emails. And then what I do is I surprise my guests with the luncheon with Lisa topic. And we kind of talk about it. Now, a topic that I came up with for tonight that I think you will recognize when we talk about it is, I don't know if some of you watch um, Married at First Sight. I do. Yes, I know you do. So I thought you would love this because I was feeling this. I saw you comment on something because I was getting ready to go in on a certain um, couple and, and you were saying it perfectly. So I was like, that's what I'm talking about right there. So if anybody has watched Married at First Sight and remember the couple Chris and Paige, then you definitely know what I'm talking about because you're talking about a brother that was lunching, okay? He wasn't lunching. He was, <laughs> he was digging in. I, I, yes, he was. One. He was yeah. interesting, a hot mess. I'm trying to be nice, but I said, well, let's talk about that for just a couple of minutes because if you all saw, and I just caught previews of it and then had to go back and watch his particular one because I had stopped watching it at that time, but he was awful. Yeah, Absolutely. you know what? I, one of the things I've learned, and I say this so respectfully to um, people, uh, men or women, you know, I always say, like, you're no longer a victim when you know what someone's doing to you. You're a participant. Yeah. And, you know, that one was tough. You know, that one was, that was tough to watch. She handled that with absolute class. She did. She, she did. did. She she handled it with class. That was she tough did. to watch, though. She did. Yeah, now, so on, on a lighter note, because Chris and Paige were like the other side of it, but then there's another couple, Karen and Miles. And I watched them, and it was a situation where in the beginning, um, yes, Shariva, uh, you're no longer a victim if you know the person. That I, he, she said, sheesh. <laughs> But with Sheesh. Karen and Miles, it was a, a situation where she wasn't really, you know, she was taking her time. He was all in. Um, and you would have never thought that they would continue on. But it's amazing what happens on Decision Day. I've always been fascinated with this show because I don't know that I could ever do it. But I do understand the romantic part of that like it's like romantic but then not but i don't know if i would have a nerve <laughs> i i don't know if anybody would particularly know whether they'd have the nerve but these people are looking for love look to be fair some of these people are looking for um for fame more than they are for love but what you That's don't true. understand is all of your actions, both good and bad, are displayed for the entire world. And it's almost like a resume of your life. <laughs> yes. And yes. if it's and not good. Job, right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. If it's not good, this ain't going to go good for you. It's just not good. Well, and, you know? and, and so, being yeah. married is like, it's, it's, it's work. And to have that work put on display like that is got to be a whole nother challenge that takes a strong, strong couple. So I actually like to see people go through it and see how they actually match them up. And because they were willing to do the work, they actually fell in love the, 
you know, and went through it. Because um, I'm thinking about the story you can tell, you know, your kids behind this, um, <laughs> if it works out. Sure. Now, if it doesn't work yeah, out. Yeah, sure. You're absolutely right. Story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But, you know, I think, to be pretty honest, there are many people that go in with unique intention. Would say that seventy-five percent go in here for love. They really and truly want I'm there forever after. And then there's a twenty-five percent that has a whole different agenda. You know, you just you just never know, and that makes it difficult. They are brave souls. That's all I can say. Because yeah, I don't think that I want to be surprised quite like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. I'm like, uh, I think I need to know you a little bit more before all of the commitment stuff goes on. Like, at least your last name and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, not what's your name when we get up there, you know. Right. But then, you know, there's been couples that actually knew each other, you That's know, true. before they got married, which was kind of unique, you know. It's like they even knew each other. It's kind of cool. But then, you know, there was the hippie couple that was on there that were actually, I really was going for them. They were really cool. I love them. You know, yes. they were is both that, unique. Is that the one who got a tattoo of her? Yeah. Yeah, Before they I was actually shocked about it. stay married. <laughs> yes. I was, they were a quirky couple, but I, was, I loved them. They were just, I, you know, yes. I loved them both. They were really cool. They were Any cool. guy that would wear a dress or wear a onesie <laughs> in their marriage, that's, that's my dude. Well, I'm not recommending everybody do that. I'm just saying, you know. I'm well, and saying. the girl has to be a, a real trooper and absolutely in love. That's all I can say. That and was she was a doctor, for God's sakes. That's what was so unique. <laughs> she was a doctor. It's somebody for everybody, huh? <laughs> everybody. It certainly is. It is. It's somebody for everybody. So what we're going to do now is I have a section of the show where we actually highlight a product because... Um, a lot of times I like to just shout out people for absolutely no reason at all. No, they're not paying me. Um, I don't owe nobody. Shout them out. That's right. But I love to shout out people. So I mentioned to you on Wednesday that we have a show in our lineup that we help to um, do the background production called Upfront Mind, Body, and Soul. So here's a mug that she has. I want you to check it out. You can hit her up and get yourself a mug. She has a wonderful show, um, Michelle Bolden Hammond. So check her out. Um, I also wanted to shout out Luncheon with Lisa because we're doing this over here on Thursdays. So I have some water bottles. Y'all, this is the cutest, okay? Yes. Men love cute. Men love cute bottles. Yes. Men love cute bottles. <laughs> well, I have one for the men. So y'all know that I have a book out called The Power of Shut Up, okay? And that's that's my baby. Um, and the power of shut up is a whole mood. I'm hoping that that spreads all over the world because we need a whole lot more of lessons of how to learn when to speak and when not to speak. So I have this mug that says, I'm thinking before I speak. Um, and if we did a whole lot more of that, we would probably be out of a whole lot more mess than we're in. And if y'all lived through the last two years, y'all should know exactly what I'm talking about. We need to think you, yeah, before yeah. Speak. yeah, you know, the power of silence is a, uh, such a big deal. You know, what's interesting during the pandemic. I have lost a lot of people who I 
strangers who I thought were my friends. And, you know, I think for a long time, I think they had always been that way and I just tolerated it. But as times got different for me and I saw the true colors of not just friends, even family that you begin to recognize really wasn't what you thought they were. And I've learned the power of silence. The less you say, the more powerful you are. And I've, I've learned that, particularly as a public figure, you know, I've learned, you know, people aren't looking for what you don't say. They're looking for what you say. And I've Absolutely. That. I'm so glad because um, when I did, when I thought and I was the truth on the power shut up really came from being married. Um, that's why I love, you know, stories about marriage and stuff, because I had to learn. And of course, you know, let's be real. You all you tell a black woman that she needs to be quiet and you got a whole situation. OK, <laughs> but the reason why there's so much power in it because I had to, I learned and I learned from a friend who told me to shut up and it came from love but she's like you're talking too much um, and I didn't get it at first I took you know I had to think about it because at first I was like excuse me <laughs> but I had her. I think we all are that way though yeah, That's I think true. we've all been that way. I mean, it's not just women, but men as well. I mean, I've always said that the person with the calmest, um, the calmest person always takes the temperature of the room. It doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman. If in my, this is just opinion. You know, if the person is calm, then I'm calm. It doesn't mean I can't get here. It just doesn't need. I need to be here all the time. I always call it the ten theory. Somebody has to be a ten. Somebody has to be a two. And if and that means that the person at ten can always match the two. That's, that's it. That's, but the two well, always know knows that if you need to be a ten, you can get there. That's funny that you say that because I think, well, I'm learning to do better, but I think I was always the 10 and my husband was always the two. So he was like, okay, I'm going to need you to come, come, come down a little bit as long as you come up a little bit because I'm still steaming. But I've learned that sometimes, and that was part of the power shut up, was that sometimes if you take just a minute to think about it, you probably won't even say it because you'll figure out that it's not worth it. Um but you know what's interesting when you say that, you know, when you talk about that, if you had both been a 10 or if you'd both been a two, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked anyway. You That's needed true. to be this in order for it to work. It's That's the only true. way it works. It doesn't work with this because that means both of you are here and one of you have to be here if you're this way. So if you're both the same, it can never work. That's, That's just true. opinion. That's Actually, what I look at. Like, and I'm gonna make sure I tell him that now. I when I I will say that when I talked about the power shut up and wrote it, he was excited about it because the first thing in his mind was, "Oh, great." She's going to be quiet. But then he found out that, oh, no, that's not quite what that meant. No, that's not what it means. So the power shut up is not taking your voice away. It's just helping to teach you how to use your voice. When to use um, it. How and when. Right. And that's the how big deal. Yeah. Absolutely. I, agree. And if, I totally agree with you. Yep. And if. Because sometimes it's like it's not even worth it. Peace. I have found out that when I have decided not to say anything, peace comes to me a whole lot faster um, and a whole lot longer. So check it out. The Power Shut Up is a real mood, okay? So before we leave here, I want you to make sure you tell everybody where they can find your book, where they can find you um, and continue to follow you. Um, and of course, is there another unsung coming up where we're going to see you? Well, I'm... Uh
I'll tell you, let me begin with the first thing you asked. I'm not 100% sure about the unsungs because I'm moving in a different direction and things are moving with me. It doesn't mean that it won't happen because they, they, they will. It's just that right now I've been a bit overwhelmed with other things that have taken my interest, particularly now being a national uh, commentator on, on major places, you know, at this point. Um, but let me begin also by both you and Shariva. I can't thank the both of you enough being kind to me and allowing me to to be on your show it means an awful lot to Absolutely. me and i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for that i can uh, the book is called uh, the four seasons of r&b my top 10 picks of the top uh, songs from the 60s 70s 80s and 90s i was smart instead of trying to break the bank i made my book just 10 bucks which was so cool because i thought that it would be better people can always get a book like that and um it's really unique and what makes the book unique is that I'm really telling you about the times of your life in those four decades. And yes. um, if you're a music yeah. buff and if you like music, you're going to find something out in there you didn't know. Just real quickly, one person did call me that was not in that book and he was shocked and pretty angry. A major star. And he, I said, you know, the problem with that is he's telling me that all the weeks that he was on the pop charts, I told him, you did great on the pop charts, but on the R&B chart, you didn't even make the top 50. And I won't say who it is, okay. but it was major. Okay. It was major. But um, I said there's a reason why Michael called the king of pop. He wasn't called the king of R&B. You know, but either wow. way, you know, I digress. But I want to yes. tell people they can find the book on Amazon, The Four Seasons of R&B. It's just $10. And more importantly, um, it will give you an opportunity to go back into the times of your life. Actually, I'm doing the Vanna White thing. Yeah. So I'll be posting my picture with my book, and then when I get an autograph, I'm gonna post it again. But before we leave out of here and say goodnight, we want to um, give one book away. So I'm gonna leave this up to you. One thing we talked about on the show, maybe some information you shared. You did mention something about an artist. Give me a question that somebody can answer and possibly win a copy of your book. Who was one of the biggest, who was the top three artists in the 1980s? The top three. The top three. In, in the, the 80s. 1980s. And he did mention this earlier in the show. I did. So who can come up with that? And we might work with you. One if of you the top three. If you can get two of them, we might we might be nice enough to go ahead and give it to you. So, come on, somebody try. Y'all want because y'all can't have my copy, so it's only one available. And if y'all don't answer or throw some answers out there, I will kindly keep the two. <laughs> you will not hurt my feelings. Y'all scared, see? Because y'all were y'all paying attention. Don't be scared. So. Before we say goodnight, um, I'm hoping you all will throw this in there. We will keep watching the thread and see. I am just, y'all, you look. I got something that I can do with this book. So if y'all don't guess it, see, this is how you know when people are not paying attention to her. This is how you know. <laughs> who was paying attention? Or maybe that was too hard. So what, what, what we say? I tell you what. Tell them to give me who they believe was in the top 10 in the 70s okay so everybody that's tuned in who do you believe was in the top 10 in the 70s any any group in the 70s that you think were in the top 10 group or artist 
and you got two seconds. Come on, y'all. I see you, Cheryl. Let me see who else is on here. Oh, who's dipping in? There's a lot of people sitting and won't say anything. Henrietta. Oh, see, because she knew. She knew. I think she knew one of the answers, but. We'll see. But what I want you to do is um, give somebody a piece of information or, or advice um, that you could share about just life in general. I know we've been through a lot in these last two years. You did a lot during these last. Okay, so we got one. Um, somebody said temptation. Yes. What you say? Yes. Okay. You got to win. Sure, you almost let it get away from you because I swear I was going to keep it for myself. So congratulations, Cheryl. Way to go. Um, so give us a little advice for people who, you know, have been struggling through these times and they need a little motivation to, to, to keep pushing. One of the things in which I've learned more than anything else um, that has helped me to change my entire life is don't give do-overs to people who treat you like a leftover. At some point, you've got to be okay with who you are, where at. Remember, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. How much time are you spending on your dream? Because that will tell you everything about where you are in your life. That's a hashtag right there. Um, look, Shariva says, throw shoe. Yes. <laughs> You got her throwing shoes at don't, the screen. I love it. Don't don't be doing those don't be doing those green ball like that, Reva. I know that's right. That that now that's a hashtag. I'm gonna have to get you to put that in the private chat. And we keep that. So thank you so much for joining us. You are always welcome. Um, the honor is absolutely mine. And once again, to you, Shariva, and all your wonderful fans. I can't thank you enough. Uh, love to all of you. Thank you so much for, for having me here. It's been my absolute honor. I, I, I can't thank you enough for spending a little time with me tonight. It means a lot. Absolutely. I appreciate the sacrifice you make because we were first. We were first. We love it. We love it. Thank you so much. Um, and congratulations on all you have going on. We are true supporters and always come back and let us know. We know there'll be another book coming. I'm sure I'm just putting that in the atmosphere. So please let us know. Stay in touch. And for all of you all, continue to tune in to Lunch with Lisa every Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We go live on StreamYard, um, I mean, on Facebook and YouTube. Um, we also have the podcast section where we have Spotify, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, so you can check us out on your radio while you're driving to your favorite destination. So there's no excuse to miss luncheon with Lisa, okay? There's always something luncheon, um, so why not lunch with Lisa? So we will see you next week. Have a great evening.